Psalm 34. Psalm 34 is one of my favorite passages. Psalm of David, the Bible says in Psalm 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces we're not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger. But they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. All right, now a few years ago, Dad was teaching psalms here in our church. And as he was teaching, I think he was in 99 at the time, but he came across a passage there in psalms that said, The Lord heard them. And for some reason, that really stuck me that day. And I said, Man, what is the secret to people being heard by God? <clears throat> So I'm going to preach uh, this morning, God answered them, and talk about some people that God answers. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to read and study your word and the truths that we can learn from it. And Lord, on an individual, personal basis, what we talk about today is really important, God, and I pray that you'll help us. I pray that you'll help us to live according to this, starting with me, and I pray you help me to get these, this great truth across that comes straight from you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to say this morning that there are notable characteristics of those heard and answered by God. You have no idea, maybe some of you do, many of us have no idea what a deep need it is in the human psyche for somebody to hear and understand you. Amen. That is a big time need. You want to see just how big this is? Look at uh, Genesis chapter 16. The beginnings and the basics of things are often found in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, isn't it? That's correct. All right, now Sarah gets all jealous because her maid, her handmaid, her slave, basically, is having a baby and she couldn't. And so Genesis chapter 16, verse 6, it says, well, let's read verse 5. And Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and thee. But Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. So this is in a time of slavery in a culture where they had slavery. I'm glad I'm not a slave. I'm glad I don't live in a country that allows slavery. I don't like it, wouldn't want to live around it. But this was their reality. And it, not only was she a slave, but her mistress was now dealing with her, her boss, her <coughs> master, 
was dealing with her hardly, even difficult, mean, even in the context of slavery. Verse 7, And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, had to call her by that name, Whence camest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress, and submit thyself under her hands. Good night. What a mean thing to have to do. You're in slavery already. She's being mean to you, even for that context. And the angel tells you to go back. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, it shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. You know what Ishmael means? God will hear. If you're in a place where God hears you, even slavery isn't near as bad. Now don't misunderstand. I'm not for it. I tried to make it clear. I'm glad I'm not one. Glad I don't live in a country that has it. But let me tell you something. A lot of people think it's even worse to be in a place where nobody sees them, nobody hears them. Nobody understands, nobody cares. He said, I want you to name that child, God will hear. Now, let's read a little further. Verse 12, and he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? You know what uh, Hagar noticed? She noticed that God heard her, and you know what she named him? God sees me. Wow. You know what I want to preach to you this morning? God sees you and hears you. Amen. Even if you're in a bad mess, a bad situation like slavery, God sees you and hears you. You know what that does? That makes submission a whole lot easier. Am I speaking to a parent having a little trouble with your children's submission? Do you make sure that that child knows that you see and hear and understand and you get their groanings? Husband, a little trouble with the wife in the submission area. Does she have any idea that you see and know and hear and understand? Uh... That sure helps submission to every kind of authority that there is. You know why we ought to submit to God above any other submission we might ever discuss? Because he sees, he hears, he understands. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. He's the one who always cares and understands. All right, uh, Psalm 34 was our text. Let's go back to it. What are the characteristics of these people that God hears and answers? First thing I'll say about it, uh, this is in the context of somebody who personally, personally brags on the Lord all the time. Verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. 
You want to start 2024 with God Almighty hearing you? Brag on Him. Amen. Get in that category. Praise Him. Don't make God something you do on Sunday mornings. Make God somebody that you bless at all times. And His praise is continually in your mouth. That is one big first important step to getting in this category of people that God hears and answers. Uh, he says, boast. And verse 2 says, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Then it says, the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. So the personal context is, you and the Lord are close and you're bragging on him. The way that affects others is the humble hear and they're made glad. I'll tell you something else. Invite others to come along with you in that. Say, hey, let's read our Bible. Hey, let's pray. Hey, let's go to church. Hey, let's brag on the Lord. Hey, let's witness for the Lord. Hey, let's sing some praises to the Lord. Verse 3, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. When you're the kind of person that you are all time blessing the Lord and you're influencing other people to bless the Lord, you're taking some important steps to be in this category of people that God hears and answers them. That's a real good place to be. Uh, things are not looking real good for our country. Am I letting out a secret there? We're ridiculously trillions of dollars in debt. Amen. And it ain't one or two. <laughs> it ain't 10 or 20. <laughs> it's way up there in the trillions of dollars. Our minds have a hard time even comprehending oh, yeah. how much debt this stupid country is in. <laughs> I mean, how in the world do you make that stupid of a decision and just keep making that decision until you get in this big of a mess? Uh, socially, we're not doing well. We're not getting along with each other. Our families are falling apart. Our friendships are falling apart. Do you want to go into the coming year, 2024? Hey, reckon there's going to be a little fussing over the election? <laughs> I reckon that might happen. Of course it is. We're in uh, trouble, man. We're in a mess. You know what category you want to be in? You want to be in the category of people that are heard and answered by God. You should always want that. But 2024 would be a real good, important year for you to get in that category if you are not already, wouldn't it? Amen. All right, here's what you do. Bless the Lord at all times. His praise continually in my mouth. Make my boast in the Lord. Why? Because the humble will be gladdened. Here in America, even the poor people have it better than a lot of the rich people in other times and in other countries. That's true. But that may be changing in the near future. I don't know. I can't tell the future. But I know this. Even the humble, even the lowly, will be gladdened and blessed if you're bragging on the Lord. And that they should be invited <clears throat> to magnify the Lord with you and exalt his name together. I'll tell you something else. Give your personal testimony. Tell people what the Lord has done for you personally. Look at verse 4. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Do we live in a day where people are overwrought with anxiety and fear? Oh, yeah. 
Tell somebody how the Lord helped you with your fears. That's what David does here. And you know what? He cried and the Lord heard him. You want to get in that category? Give your personal testimony. Say, hey, verse 6, I cried. Hey, verse 4, he heard me. Hey, verse 6, the Lord heard him. You know what he did for me? He delivered me from all my fears and saved him out of all his troubles. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast thy care upon the Lord. Cast thy burden upon the Lord. Hey, does every Christian need this message or not? Do we not need to be able to get a hold of God? Have there not been times in your Christian life, I know there have been in mine, where it seemed like prayer was just a routine. It didn't seem like I was getting anywhere. You know what I want to do? I want to be sure, always, but right now would be a real good time to get started if you haven't already. I want to be sure that I get a hold of God and He hears me and answers my prayer. You, Everything going real good for you right now? There's going to come a time when it isn't. Amen. There's going to be a time you're going to wish you had this skill. Personal context, blessing the Lord. Others context, it blesses and gladdens them. Personal testimony, you can tell people, listen, the Lord did some things for me and got me out of an awful mess. But you'll have to start calling on him. You'll have to start crying to him. Personal testimony, and what, what is this testimony to others? Verse 5, they looked unto him and were lightened. Lightened as opposed to the darkness of doom and gloom. As opposed to the darkness of ignorance. You know, when you don't know something, you know what you are? You're ignorant. You know what we call that? We call that being in darkness. When you don't have any hope, you know what we call? We call that darkness of gloom and doom. Darkness. What did they do? They looked to him and their faces were lightened. You know what we need? We need some people who get their faces lightened who get their eyes enlightened. There have been times in my life where I hadn't had any sustenance, hadn't had any food, hadn't had any drink for a while, and had been out in the field and it wasn't available. And I came in, boy, as soon as I got just one good gulp of water, wow, my eyes were enlightened. As soon as I got just one or two bites of food, whoa, I was already feeling better. I already felt the refreshment coming. Isn't there a reason we call that refreshment? Let me tell you what will refresh your soul and your spirit and your mind and your heart and your innards, as we say. Getting a look at the face of Jesus Christ and realizing he's looking down and smiling on you. When the, whatever you called that little wagon, would come around at the Air Force Base where I used to work. Oh, man, were we glad to see that thing in hot Macon, Georgia. Oh, buddy, our eyes enlightened when we just saw the thing. And when people see the Lord Jesus, they look unto him, their eyes are enlightened. That's a testimony that it'll help them. All right, that's Psalm 34. Obviously, I can't go through all the scriptures and talk about all the times that some people are heard of the Lord. And I'm glad I can't. That tells me there are so many examples of it that you can read in a many, many different places and find God hearing you. Am I talking to somebody that is in a time of ignorance and you don't know what to do? 
Am I talking to somebody that's in a time of gloom and doom and you don't know what to do? Let me tell you what to do. Look to God. And your face will be enlightened when you realize that he hears you. He understands. All right, that was the poor man of Psalm 34. Now let's look at the ones in Psalm 99. Psalm 99. The Lord reigneth. Let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubims. Let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion, and he is high above all the people. Let them praise thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. The king's strength also loveth judgment. Thou dost establish equity. Thou executest judgment and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt ye the Lord our God, and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. Moses and Aaron among his priests, and Samuel among them that call upon his name. They called upon the Lord, look at it. And he answered them. He spake unto them in the cloudy pillar. They kept his testimonies and the ordinance that he gave them. Thou answerest them, O Lord our God. Thou wast a God that forgavest them, though thou tookest vengeance of their inventions. Look at that. He forgave them. We'll talk more about that here in just a minute. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill. For the Lord our God is holy. All right, you want to get in the category of people that are heard and answered by the Lord? Let's look at this passage for a minute. All right, this shows up in a context of great exaltation. Look at Psalm 99, verse 1. The Lord look, does what? Reigneth. That means he's king. That means he's boss. You know how you get in a category of being heard and answered by God, you make him king and you make him boss. Amen. He should not just be your savior, although that's a wonderful thing. It means you don't have to burn in hell in the lake of fire forever. That's pretty good, isn't it? But he should also be your Lord. He should also be your king. And the context of this being heard and answered is a time of great exaltation. The Lord reigneth. Let the people do what? Tremble. You know when you don't put somebody in authority? When you don't tremble at anything they say, you couldn't care less. There is a little bit of fear to respect for authority. Oh, yeah. The Bible teaches fear of God, does it not? Yeah. Did I just make that up, or is that phrase in scripture. It's in a lot of places. There is some fear under respect of authority. There sure is. Uh, the Lord reigneth. Let the people tremble. Let the earth be moved. When God shows up, your knees ought not be the only thing knocking. This earth gets shaking. The Bible talks about an earthquake going to hit one of these days where not only the earth, but the heavens shake. Amen. Let me tell you about God. He's big and strong and powerful. And I talked about how tender he was just a minute ago in Psalm 34. But let me tell you about God. He has two sides. He has the tender side that comes down and notices this poor man cried and hurt him and saved him out of all of his troubles. But he also has the almighty, all-powerful side that wipes out everybody that chooses to fight him. Amen. You need to fear him. And you need to love him. Don't let your whole relationship with God be all fear. But don't take him for granted either. 
Context is great exaltation. You know where he is? He's the one that sits between the cherubims, says in Psalm 99, verse 1. Uh, let me tell you something. That ain't your seat. <laughs> that ain't the president's seat. That ain't the general director of the United Nations seat. That ain't the biggest, strongest, toughest fighting man seat. That isn't the highest woman that's broke the glass ceiling with the highest office anywhere. That ain't her seat. That's the seat of God Almighty. He's the one that sits between the cherubim. You want to find yourself in 2024 in a place where God hears, understands, and answers your prayer and delivers you and saves you out of all your troubles? Because, uh, spoiler alert, there's going to be some troubles coming your way in 2024. Amen. And it might be a good bit harder than what you're used to putting up with. Because this world, it's not looking real good for this world or this country. Uh, I want to be in a place where I get a hold of God. High exaltation. High exaltation. He's the one that sitteth between the cherubim. Great in Zion. High above all the people. And he has a great and terrible name. Is that not what it says here in Psalm Amen. 99 verse 3? Thy great and terrible name. You give him his highly exalted position. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not correcting what I preached on Psalm 34. He is tender and loving and kind and your best friend. But also, you keep that respect for him. Yeah. You keep that reverence for him. Yes, I'll even go far, because the Bible says, I'll even go so far as to say you keep that fear. Yeah. Context of great exaltation. I'll tell you something else. A context of great holiness. Look at verse 3. Let them praise thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. The first definition of the word holy is that which pertains to God. The second definition of holy is sinless. It doesn't have sin in it. Always remember the most important part of your holiness is not that you're separated from sin. Don't get me wrong. That's part of it. We do need to cover that. We will not leave that part out. But that is secondary. Primary is, are you and God close? Amen. If you and God are close, then the sinlessness comes a lot easier. I mean, no, I don't mean that you'll attain perfect sinlessness, but you'll do a whole lot less if you and God are close. So it's a context of great holiness, verse 3. Verse 5, he is holy. Verse 9, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. He has a great and terrible name that is holy. Verse 5, we worship at his footstool. What is God's footstool? This earth. And it, sa it says it's, uh, he is holy, and this is his footstool. If he's a holy God and this is his place, hmm, we all behave different on his footstool, shouldn't we? If I'm over at somebody else's house, I make sure, now is this the kind of place where they take off their shoes before they walk in? Is this the kind of place where you're welcome to just sit down on the couch? You know, is that, or is that back in the family room in the den, but out here in the more formal living room? You know what, I kind of go by their rules. <laughs> Uh, this is God's world. This is my Father's world. I rest me in the thought, but 
Let me be sure and go by his rules. His footstool. Exalt the Lord and worship at his holy hill. For he is holy. Moses and Aaron and Samuel and them that call upon the Lord. Here in chapter 99 it says, He answered them. Furthermore, uh, it's a context of great authority. If you have trouble with authority, you're going to have a difficult life. Oh, yes. You talk about frustrating. You talk about staying in trouble with the principal at school or the teacher at school or the boss at work or the police or whatever authority you're under, man. If you have trouble with authority, you got problems. And more important than any other, if you got trouble with God's authority, oh, buddy, you just, got, you just may as well go over here and start beating your head against a wall. That's how frustrating and unhappy your life is going to be. No wonder everybody's on drugs and trying to talk to the shrinks. My goodness, what a miserable, unhappy, frustrating life that is. That'd be, and then fussing at the authority for being the problem. What if I went over here today and started hitting my head on this wall and telling everybody, this stupid wall, why does it keep hurting my head? <laughs> That's what walls are supposed to do. <laughs> They're supposed to keep you in here, man. <laughs> That's what authority is supposed to do. You need to quit beating your head up against the authority. Amen. Bless your heart. <laughs> That's the way it is. If you want to be in the category of people that are heard and understood by the Lord in 2024, get fine with authority. I had good strict mom and dad and good strict churches and good strict Christian school that I was brought up in. You know what that did? Made me real comfortable with authority. You know what I cannot wrap my mind around and what I have such a difficult time over and over again with today's society? They just go against authority. To me, just the fact that the authority said it was enough, that settled it. Ain't true anymore, man. I don't know if you've noticed or not. <laughs> That's not the rules anybody plays by anymore. And you know what? They're not getting heard and answered by God either. Mm -hmm. We preached not long ago about the Rechabites there in Jeremiah 35. You know why the Lord blessed them and even all the way down to the 19th century, there was 60,000 of them or whatever it was. You know why? Because their father had said, don't drink wine and don't build houses. You be a nomadic people. And they had kept it all those centuries. And the Lord said, do you see that? I'm going to be sure that they're blessed and they'll never have lack of a man to stand before me. Why? Authority. It's that big of a deal to God. Yes, it is. Context of great authority. The king's strength loveth judgment. It says he does establish equity. You say, well, I'm not going to do that. I don't want somebody having too much authority. Notice what the authority does in Psalm 99. They establish equity. You want equity? You know what will establish the right equity for you? The right authority. You know what will happen if you don't have a right authority? There will be this constant battle. And this side will sort of win for a while. And then this side will be all angry. And they'll sort of win for a while. And back and forth it goes. Somebody has to step in there and say, hey, no, brothers and sisters, you quit fighting. You go on this side of the house and you go on that side. Otherwise, you don't ever have any equity. Amen. That's one of the blessings of right authority. 
All right, uh, here's a real important one. Verse 6 here in Psalm 99. Moses and Aaron among his priests and Samuel among them that do what? Call upon his name. They called upon the Lord, and he answered them. You know what you need to do in 2024? You need to call upon the Lord. Amen. You need to call upon his name. Every morning before you go to work, you need to pray. Every morning before you start school, you need to pray. Every day before you make a big decision, you need to pray. Before you date somebody, you better pray. Before you marry somebody, you better pray. Before you take a job, you better pray. Before you move somewhere, you better pray. King David was an was a imperfect man, wasn't he? He messed up in a bunch of ways, but I'll give him this. Before a big decision, you know what he did? He inquired of the Lord. That's right. And you know what the Lord did? Blessed him. Liked him. Him and the Lord were close. Call upon the Lord. I'll tell you another one. This is in the context of overcoming obstacles. Look at verse 7. He spoke unto them in the cloudy pillar. You know what you can't do with a cloud? You can't see through the dumb thing. And sometimes it seems like the Lord is not in a place where you can see him. As a matter of fact, we certainly can't see him literally and physically. But they called him. And he spake unto them in the cloudy pillar. It will seem like there is something that is holding back God from answering you and hearing you. You want to do? Talk to him anyway. Amen. And you know what he can do? He can talk to you through the cloudy pillar. I'm sure those three Hebrew children, if they were like many Christians of our day, would have thought, well, I've got to obey because if they throw me in the fiery furnace, I can't call out to God. Most Christians don't understand that if you do get thrown in the fiery furnace, he'll be in there with you and you can call yes, to him. Yes, that's right. Context of God overcoming obstacles. Even when he was not speaking to them face to face, he was speaking to them through a cloudy pillar. Uh, I'll tell you, here's one. Some of us get all humble, and I'm glad we are, and we get all religious, and I'm glad that in some senses that we are. But we say, wait a minute, oh no, he's holy and he's righteous, but he can't help me because I'm a terrible sinner. Well, look at verse 8. Thou answerest them, O Lord our God, thou wast a God that forgavest them. Don't let your sin be an excuse for you not talking to God. He has no trouble forgiving you. Amen. He can hear your prayers and answer you right over top of your sin because he's the one that can forgive them. So context of overcoming obstacles, context of obedience. What did they do when he spoke to them through the cloudy pillar? They kept his testimonies and the ordinance that he gave them. Hey, listen, you want to be heard by God in 2024? You want him to deliver you? And you'll need it, I guarantee you. Something's going to come up in 2024. You're going to be needed. You're going to be, he is going to be needed by you. Tell you what to do. Obey him. Even when he's talking through that cloudy pillar. Psalm 99. All right, let's do one more. Turn to John 11. We'll find that greatest prayer warrior of all times, Jesus himself. And see how he was heard of God. John chapter 11. 
John 11, verse 1. Now, now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. So as soon as they heard their brother was sick, they did the right thing. They went to the Lord. But some of you remember the story. And Jesus doesn't heal him right then. He lets Lazarus die. And shows up four days after poor Lazarus had died. So let's pick up the reading in verse 33. <coughs> when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. Some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast what? Heard me. And I knew that thou what? Hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about him with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. All right, let's look at the Lord Jesus at the grave of Lazarus being heard of God. What's the context here? Number one is the context of groaning. You know what the problem is? You don't go to God with that which makes you groan. You know what the Bible says when Stephen is telling the story of the children of Israel in that hard bondage in Egypt? It says that the Lord heard their groaning. Amen. You know what's going on in the context of the Lord hearing the Lord Jesus here? He groans in verse 33, and he groans again in verse 38. You know what the Bible says the Holy Spirit does that intercedes for us and gets a hold of God? The Spirit maketh intercession for us with what? Groanings which cannot be uttered. You take your feelings, you take your broken heart, you take your tears, you take your frustrations and the things you're sad about and the things you're mad about and the things that you keep trying and doesn't work, and you take those groanings to God. Amen. He hears those. I'm a father. And my children are all I have. Daddy, can I have this? Daddy, can I? Dad, can I? Dad, can I? I, I used to make a little joke of their little sing-songy words, Dad can I, Dad can I. But if I look up and see tears in their face, all of a sudden Daddy's fixing to fix whatever's going wrong. 
At that point, it's not just, can I have these shoes? Can I have these skates? Can I have this chocolate? Can I have this tea? Can I have this drink? Can I have this? At that point, I see there's some feeling behind it. You know what you need to do? If you want to be heard of God in 2024, show him your feelings. Amen. Show him your heart. Show him where your heart is breaking. He can do things for you nobody else you talk to can touch. Groaning. God hears groaning. Crying. Notices the tears. Notices the trouble. It says here of Jesus that he groaned in the spirit. He wasn't groaning for a cheeseburger. He was groaning for something a good bit more important than that. Alright, I'll tell you something else that's in this context of God hearing the Lord Jesus. It's in a context of loving. Look at verse 36. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. You know what you need to work on if you want to be heard by God in 2024? You need to love more. What are the first two commandments? Number one, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart mind, soul, strength, and second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You won't get in the category of people that are heard by God in the immediate context, work on your loving. Work on your caring for people. You know what will help you with that? Just spend some time with them and see what they're going through. And watch them as their mom dies, and watch them as their dad dies, and watch them as their relatives pass away, and watch them when they're get a diagnosis of terminal illness or some immediate family member does or they have a heartbreak and a disappointment financially or in the family or something. Watch it. You know what will happen? All of a sudden you'll turn into more of a human being than somebody flipping through a screen all day. Because you'll see how somebody feels and you'll get a heart and you'll love people. And that's a real good context to be heard by God. My goodness. Alright, groaning, loving. Here's one. Allowing. Verse 37, And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? You know what? You're going to have to make peace with the fact that God allows the trials in your life. You're going to have to accept that. And instead of continually fighting against them, was that not the first thing Martha said to him? Lord, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. Was that not the first thing Mary said? If he'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. Is that not the first thing these Jews say? Well, if he could have opened the eyes of the blind, could he not have caused that this man wouldn't have died? Listen, just accept, for whatever reason, in God's wisdom, he has allowed the trial you're going through. Amen. And if you can accept that and submit to that, you can get in that context. You can get in that category of people that are heard and answered by the Lord. Now, it does require some effort. It's going to require you doing something, obeying, as we talked about before. Look at verse 39. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Well, somebody's going to have to... That was a kind of a big, heavy stone. The women couldn't move it. Um, it took maybe a couple of men sometimes to move it. Furthermore, people tried to reason their way out of it. As soon as the Lord gives you a command, there's always a good reason not to do it. Anybody ever notice that? Has the Lord ever told you to witness somebody and you, had, you immediately oh, had a yeah. perfect reason you couldn't do that? <laughs> I 
I mean, Martha has a great one. Oh, Lord, no, don't take the stone. I mean, if you take the stone back, everybody will smell. The body's obviously started decaying by now. Is that not good and reasonable? I mean, that's not what you want to do, is it? The devil in your flesh will always give you the pet, and the world will give you the best reasons why, no, you don't need to obey the Lord. That's not a good plan. It's going to take some obedience and some effort. It's going to take some believing. Look at verse 40. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Are you worried about stink? Or are you worried about seeing the glory of God? Amen. If you're worried about seeing the glory of God, you're going to have to risk some things and obey what the Lord tells you to do. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes obeying the Lord, you will get in a kind of a stinking mess. <laughs> I can tell you that. You obey the Lord, you'll get in the middle of the sea and a storm will hit. You'll go, oh boy. I was doing what he said and here I am in the middle of a storm. Yeah, but it's a storm where he's going to show you something. <laughs> it's going to require some belief. If ye have received the Lord, so walk ye in him. And that's believing. It's going to have confidence. Verse 41 and 42, the Lord Jesus is 100% confident that God the Father is up there hearing him. You know what you need to do? You need to actually believe that God's going to do something Amen. and expect something from him. Brother Earl Anchor one time preached a great sermon I've borrowed parts of in here from time to time where uh, John the Baptist was preaching and all the crowds were out there to hear him. And the Lord moved greatly. And you know what it says at the beginning of that chapter? It says, and as the people were in expectation. You know what we have? We have a generation of Christians that aren't expecting anything from the Lord. Amen. They think they're just going to sit through another sermon and go home and look at their little electronic screens and watch the ball game or the romance movie or the educational documentary or the action movie or the exciting superhero guy or whatever. <laughs> And they're just going to totally forget about the Lord. They don't expect him to do anything. But the people that move this world along right lines, you know what they do? They expect God to show up. What did uh, William Carey say? Attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. And if you don't think he's going to show up and do anything, you won't even attempt anything. Amen. Complete confidence. What will it do? It will benefit others. Verse 42, And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. You know what you need to do? You need to believe God for the benefit of some other people. You know why I believe the way I do? Because when I was a little boy, I saw some people with the power of God all over them, and I saw the Lord doing things. You know what I'm worried about with this generation coming up? I'm afraid they haven't seen the things I saw. Amen. I'm pretty sure they haven't. We're bringing up a generation of Christians that have not seen what the Lord did in this country 100 years ago or 50 years ago. We better start obeying God so some of the people around us see some of this. Benefiting others. Yielding great results. Verse 43, when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said, loose him and let him go. you got to admit, that's, that's pretty... <laughs> that is...
is earth shattering. Nothing brought about the quick demise of Jesus like the resurrection of Lazarus. Amen. They knew right then they had to do something. They knew everybody was going to be following him if they didn't kill him real soon. It yields great results. Let me tell you something else in the context of being somebody that is heard by God and answered by God. It's in the context of many people being convinced and converted. Verse 45, it says, Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. Who are the people that God hears? Psalm 34, it was this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. In Psalm 99, it was Moses and Aaron and Samuel and the great people that highly exalted the Lord. In John 11, it was the Lord Jesus. And it has some things like the Lord Jesus groaning. Are you willing in 2024 to quit taking your groanings and your complaints to everybody else and take your groanings and your complaints to God? Are you willing, like Psalm 99 says, to greatly exalt the Lord are you willing in Psalm 34 when you're a poor man or woman to lift your prayer up to God? If you're willing to do that, no matter what you go through in 2024, and it might be pretty bad, it might be pretty bad, you know what you'll do? You will remember God as Hagar did back in Genesis 16. He that heard me and he that sees me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to read and study your word. I pray you'll take